What's that key thought and key phrase from the book of Ecclesiastes? What's the one that kind of summarizes most of it? Maybe you could phrase it a few different ways, or maybe you'll think of different things, but give me the main point of Ecclesiastes. Old Testament wisdom. That's the one I was looking for right there. It's funny how new things are kind of rehashing of old things, and the best new ideas are kind of like getting back to things that were before. There's really nothing new under the sun. But there are sometimes new versions of old or or old versions of new. They overlap, and so some things sometimes seem really, really new, and then they're just actually the same, and some things feel really, really old. It's like, but this is never, it's not being done now, so when we bring the old into the present, then it feels like something new. That's kind of how I feel about what God's doing with our church when it comes to groups and when it comes to this coming year. In a way, this is the same conversation that we've had for at least past 10 or 12 years that I've been the pastor here. Immediately upon feeling called by God into ministry, there were two things that he put on my heart. said, these are going to be helpful for you to conceive of what church is, how we do this. And one was small groups inspired in large part by Ian and Aaliyah coming through the back door one day and saying, God's done something like this with us before. We would like to be a part of making something like this happen here. Let's just talk and see what God does. And also in part from my recognition that we're not going to be able to get everybody to one Wednesday night Bible study. And that had been our tradition leading up to that point. So try to get everybody to the Bible study and get everybody to Sunday. I recognize we're all over the place. There's whatever percentage of us that might be available on a Wednesday. What age kids do we have? What bedtimes do they have? Who works nights? Who is traveling? Who's away during the week and comes back on the weekends? But I knew that we needed some way to be together more than just for a Sunday sermon. That it's not going to be what community looks like. And so we have basically been walking through this last decade or so, figuring out how do we come together? How do we build friendships with one another? And so the groups were kind of this concept, a structure. And the second thing that felt like it made sense to me at that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit gives me this to help me figure out how to measure, how to plan, how to dream, was connect, transform, equip, and multiply. And so we've talked about that for a decade now, because it felt like we need to be connecting, and we need to be seeing Jesus transform us, and we need to be learning, and we need to be growing. And in my mind, my prayer was always that the connect, transform, equip, multiply would like grow, into a lot of multiply. From a lot of connecting would turn into a lot of transforming and there'd be a lot of growing and learning and then there'd be a lot of multiplying. And I think one of the things that I'm recognizing over a lot of years of just observing how we come together, how life works, how people come into churches and go out of churches, how groups form, how they change, just all these things, is that if we wait for our active multiplication, our active ministry to the world to come last, (laughs) it happens infrequently and rarely. We hope to get somewhere that then only a few get. Have you ever been a part of a group and the first night there's like 30 people there and like four weeks later they were down to like 24 and then like a month later you're down to like 15 and by the end of the group a year later whatever there's the solid six. That's life and that's no indictment of people like not loving the Lord It might mean that we could be better committed to things, but I look at some of those lives and say, I also realize that life 
happens in life changes within the course of a year, sometimes very significantly. Children, jobs, and many sorts of ways. So if we say, let's learn and learn and learn and learn and learn, and then hopefully we get to the end, when we cross that finish line, then we'll step out and we'll be missional. Then we'll step out in ministry. Then we'll multiply. Then we'll take what we have to the people around us and live it out in a way that can build God's kingdom. And I think I, I see that we need to start the way Jesus started. He lived in a very interactive way with the world around him. His ministry, his mission was his lifestyle. It wasn't a hopeful end goal of lots of learning. He acted in the world in a way that showed people God. And along the way, he grew. And along the way, people around him grew and learned and taught. And so, yeah, about a year ago or so, I began to feel like, God, are we making any difference in the world around us? Are, we, are our kind of relationship groups just sort of sitting tight and staying comfortable? And I think they were. And so I started praying, and we started talking as a church, what does it look like for us to see where God's going to lead us? What if it looks different? Funny thing about it is, I think it actually kind of looks very similar, but not similar to 10 years ago, similar to maybe the book of Acts. That's kind of more what I'm feeling God is saying we should be resetting to. Let's not reset to 10 years ago. Let's reset to 2,000 years ago and recognize how Jesus walked with his disciples, how people did it together, and the impact they had in the world. We've read through the book of Acts. We've studied this. When are we going to live like it? Hopefully later, when we've learned enough. When we've graduated, like, what, what does that look like? That's not how Jesus taught. And so I've been kind of, what we've been talking as leaders, you know, specific leaders' meetings all year. I've been trying to read and, and say, all right, Lord, what are the ways that we can live in the world together, make a difference in the world, see our spiritual gifts kind of come alive and be activated? And that's been my desperate prayer for a year or so. And over that time, we've done a lot of things. We've been experimental in terms of how do we reach out. We've had seasons where we focused on the homeless ministry and we're doing meals, the Thanksgiving meal at L Street or that Sunday morning cleanup at L Street or various collections or donations. And we've, we've tried to experiment with stepping out with connection to the foster care community through encouragement packs. We had a conference here to help train people for their work in... Um, trauma-based situations with kids. And we had serve home, again, for a second time, these opportunities to connect with the world around us and make a difference. And the whole point of all of those was to say, God, are you leading us into a form of church, a style, a way of doing church that's more based on mission than based on education? And so for me, who loves to teach, for teachers at heart, it feels like if we learn enough, eventually it'll work itself out in daily life. And I feel like this next season is about living things out together in daily life and then learning as we go. Coming with a very practical question. I'm living in this way. <laughs> uh, it's not working. <laughs> I'm living in this way, but I don't know what to do. I, I want to love or serve in this way or this group of people or this person, but it's difficult. Awesome. Well, then let's see what Jesus has to say about that and let him answer our questions. And so this morning, I want to ask you to join me 
and join us as leaders and as fellow congregants, as part of this church body. God has picked each of us to be here to experiment with a form of groups this year, this upcoming year, starting now, going through a year, to commit to a year where we say we're going to live together in groups on mission. It's as simple as that. So what we've talked about the last couple of weeks to help prime this pump is what it looks like to be missionaries. So we have God here, we have the world here, and we stand in the overlap. This is a definition of us. This is you. This is me. We're supposed to stand here. Okay, well then last week we talked about having a desire for God and then the leading of the Holy Spirit. God giving us opportunities to serve and then seeing the results. You know, this is kind of a a progression around this circle with love, right? We had love in the middle. So let's put love in the middle again. This morning what I'd like to do is kind of give us a vision of what it could look like if we were... Jesus' disciples, the 12. I'd like to imagine what that could look like today. Imagine what that would look like for us. And there are many churches that have kind of pursued this sort of thought. What does it look like to live like the 12 disciples? And as I've been reading, as I've been trying to absorb how other churches have gone about implementing Discipleship the way Jesus did it, this phrase, this term keeps coming up, and it's a way to describe what these communities are, and it's missional communities, and you see it up on the screen there, it's been there this morning. We've talked about this in some ways, sort of referred to it over the last few months, last year or so. I'd like to paint a picture this morning of what a missional community is. I'd like to give us some scriptural foundations for it, and then I'd like to show a video. It's, say, 14 minutes long give or take, and it describes one particular church that is living in this sort of a way. Where people have come together in these groups to make a difference and to share the gospel in the world around them. I'm inspired by the idea of Serve Home having a day-to-day and week-to-week life cycle. I would be discouraged and like disappointed to think of serve home, a very powerful way of the kingdom coming together, happening one week out of 52. Right? Doesn't that seem like a little bit of a loss? <laughs> but how can we coordinate serve home every week? Do we need to? What does that look like? And if Jason, Michaela, and Nicole all do nothing but plan outreach events for us, in the end, aren't we just asking them then to tell us how God could use us? What would it look like for you and 11 friends to sit down and say, how do we feel God using us? What's on our heart? Where is God calling us to serve? Missional communities. Let me give you three scriptural foundational principles for why something of this nature, whether it's this or something like it, an approach like this, is what the Bible calls us to. Do you remember all the sermons that we had on community over the summer? 
Remember how we talked about relationship and community being in God's nature. He's triune. So God is in community with himself. What's the only thing in creation that God said is not good? And to be alone, right? So husband and wife, male and female, community. Israel, Abraham, was it, okay, I'm calling you one man to do one thing? No, it's through you, Abraham, and through your nation that the entire world will be blessed. How many tribes of Israel? Twelve. Jesus comes, and it was just Jesus just doing one, a solo act, walking around, saying everything right, doing everything right? No, he called disciples, his twelve. And did it stop there? No, he said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go to all the nations and make disciples. The early church, you see Peter, or Paul rather, teaching Timothy. He says, establish elders in all these towns so that they can help lead all the people there. Gentiles, Jews alike, doesn't matter. Spread the gospel, but not on your own. Together. Together. What's the metaphor that we use for Christ's people? It's a body, not one part. Not one person, together. What's the old time? What? Let me just say it this way. The Garden of Eden in its way is the kingdom of God, right? It's a kingdom. It's a place where God's people live with God. In the Old Testament, God helped establish a kingdom, a nation here on earth to show his glory and his power. Jesus came to usher in the kingdom of God. Heaven itself, as we, either the world ends or Christ returns or we die first, whatever progression, we're going to be in a kingdom. We're not on our own. This fundamental community concept is how God has made us. We're not meant to be a bunch of scattered individual people here. We're meant to be together with Christ at the center. We're meant to be one. We're meant to be together. So community is not an if question. Should you be in some sort of close community with believers? Yes, you have to. Like, that's how I feel. I think you have to. You have to. Who's going to pray for you? Who's going to lift you up? How can we bear one of those burdens? Who will encourage? Who will teach? We need to be known. So it's not if, but it's how. How are we going to go about that? I think groups living together, people living together on mission, saying how can God use our individual gifts? That, to me, is the most inspiring version of us coming together. Because it's not coming together to just hear another mini-sermon. And I feel like at times in the past, our small groups kind of mimicked a model of a Sunday service, where there's one teacher, the small group leader, or Bible study leader, or a DVD maybe. We had those at times. There's one teacher, and the rest of us just come as students. Someone mentioned to me that when we did the um, fall small groups on... um, living on our front lines and missional living, that in one of the groups, a person thought, you know what, it's a little bit ironic that we're kind of doing a study on living missionally, but we're not like living missionally. So if our groups are just opportunities to learn more, and our Sundays are opportunities to learn more, and all of our activities are, where are the opportunities for us to learn things like the Holy Spirit is telling me to go and talk to that person right now? How do I know that's God, or how do I know that's me? Very practical, very real living with God. That's not theoretical anymore. We need 
little laboratories where we can learn together. And guess what? If we mishear God, then the group is there to kind of catch us when we fall and be like, no, that wasn't the spirit leading you that time. That was your wishes. That was your thoughts. And maybe we didn't even know it at the time, but let's learn together. And that song talking about all my failures, nothing wasted. We want to learn how to live with God. So this community is not an if, but it's a how. And, and living together on mission, to me, seems like a beautiful how. So the second foundation, if the first one is there's a biblical principle of community, the second one is that there's dangers of individualism, of us living on our own. If none of us are known, if we can just go back to our own home and live by ourselves without being in a community of people that know us, then what are the dangers of that? Well, we could just go with a simple one first and say laziness. If there's no one there to kick you into action, then you just sit. <laughs> Happens to me. When we know where someone's depending upon us, it motivates us. Or when someone asks us, how have you been? There's a little bit of accountability. I think we could all use a little bit of accountability, right? So laziness. But what about heresy? If we're on our own, we read something in the Bible and say, oh, I think this is what the Bible says. And then we think, well, where's the accountability for that? What if we're actually leading people away from God? Wouldn't others who know the word and know the Lord be able to say, well, let's look into that more? Because I thought there was another verse that said this. What does God's word say? Let's pray together. Let's discover. We don't want to be heretical. We don't want to be lazy. We don't want to be ineffective. 2 Peter 1 says, keep growing in these things because as you do, or if you don't keep growing in these things, you, you may be ineffective or unproductive in your faith, forgetting that you've been forgiven for all your sins. There's heresy, there's laziness, there's pride. If I'm just on my own, doing my own thing, I probably think it's probably the right thing to do. Look how good I'm doing this. Look how good I am. Very humbling to be with others. We need to remain humble bear with one another's pride, help one another grow past that, confess that. Or how about just the simple one of loneliness? We as believers sometimes are just lonely. We wish we had people around us. If we are committed to being together, and not just for the purpose of learning about God, but experiencing him, it's kind of like unleashing the church a little bit. <laughs> Because then you're not waiting for someone to tell you what to do. It's like, well, what is God telling me to do? Which would be better? To spend your life having someone say, this is how you should follow God? Or spend a life hearing from God how he wants you to follow him? We as organizers here in the church will always be a ceiling for you if you're waiting for us to lead you into all that God can do for you. We want to be more like a springboard or a trampoline and like sprawling you out of here into great and amazing things that we couldn't even imagine. God wants to do greater things than we can even imagine. And so individualism sometimes will trap us, whereas being together can propel us. All right, so the third Point, and maybe this one is uh, good for a diagram too. So let's say that we have here, here, we have some of these groups. There will be times where the groups come together. A Sunday morning is a good example of that. Come together to say, all right, God, what are you saying to us all? 
Come together to serve, maybe. All right, it's a Sunday morning over at L Street. We're going to go and we're going to paint this morning. It's serve home. We're going to come together. The coming together of God's people is a beautiful thing. But if we just always stay here, then what's happening to the world around us is also times where we need to be going out. And out is actually where we live, but it's also where we need to go. And the, the phrases that have been used to describe this is the gathered church, church gathered, and scattered. You're still the church. We don't come to church, right? We're hopefully for myself as well, we're trying to like do away with that language. We don't come to church on Sunday morning. We're always the church. You're part of God's body. You're the church of Christ. Body of Christ. Everywhere, wherever you are. Either individually, kind of like hoping that you're finding God's path, or collectively working towards a goal, separated out in the world, living, or coming together to learn, gathered or scattered. So the question isn't, where is church? It's always church. Every day, 24-7 is church. The question is, why are we here and why are we there? Why would we join together in some groups to serve and follow God? Why, why are we there? Why are we here to be equipped so we can go out and live? So I think if we can focus on that, the idea of community being what God calls us to, it's not if, just how. How best can we do it? We talk about and recognize the dangers of if left to our own devices, we are not better off. We're better together. And if we can recognize that our location is all about what our purpose is there, I think it'll help us recognize that this isn't the thing alone. This is part of the equipping to live out the thing. So like I said, I have a video I'd like to show us. This church is not the be-all and end-all. This is not the cookie cutter that we can stamp on New Hope and say, this is what we're doing. I'm sure they don't have everything right there. Just a church that has caught a vision for living in this way, where when they gather together, it's to help equip those groups, those bands of brothers, those twelves, to go out and live in mission and the ways that they interact with their community. I think you might find that some of them... Remind us of serve home. Some of them remind us of our seasons of mission. Some of them might remind us of a small group. Some of, might, might, some of these things might remind us of Bible studies or friendships we've had in the past. But the heartbeat of it is living on mission. And so really where it starts is with a purpose and with a calling, and then all those things add on to it. So I'd like to go ahead and maybe we can kill the lights and just show that video. Like I said, it's about 14 minutes long. So it's... It's a couple of minutes, but give them a chance to describe to them, for them, what this looks like. And then I'd like to hear some thoughts afterwards. So I'll, I'll kind of open the floor for some reflections. But hopefully you hear some of these theological principles in what they say. And we can recognize for ourselves what we need to keep in mind if we're going to explore this together. I'm just personally hungry for a kind of faith that connects me to people and to the world around me and gives me opportunities to serve. That's really just what I want so much. And I feel like it's what God wants for us as a church family. And so my request to you is that we would all be praying about what that looks like. had a meeting about Serve Home. It was a kind of a recap meeting, Kayla and Jason, Nicole and I. And you know what we recognized in that meeting? We didn't do it. 
We helped plan or organize, sure, but all of us did it. And the kingdom around us, God's people rose up and did it. So all of us here are the ones who can do it. And it's not about church leaders or a title or a position or even a church, local church congregation. It's just about loving people the way that that pastor loves the people around him. I, I just love that about him, and I want to love the people around me more like that. I want that for us all. So as we go over these next couple of weeks, these next couple of months this fall, I'd like all of us to be praying about what it would look like to find, <laughs> find our 12. I want to help us walk in that direction, but I don't know exactly what it's going to look like. But God does. Is there someone here in the church that you would love to be involved with life on life, regardless of where you serve? Well, then, over the next couple of weeks, if the Holy Spirit keeps bringing that particular person or family to your mind, call them and say, I've just been praying. Do you think maybe we could talk about doing something together? God's put a particular group on your heart. Maybe it's women. Maybe it's the homeless. Maybe it's our children. Maybe start talking to the people that you know or talking to me about the specific mission field that's just on your heart. And maybe there'd be others that God would gather together with that same heart. Is it gifts? We did some painting you know, over the summer, we got to see the spiritual gift of painting in action, the spiritual gift of hammering, the spiritual gift of shoveling. It's only going to happen when people who know how to paint and shovel say, here, here's a place we could go and work and serve. And so all I'm asking for us to do is to just pray. I wrote down some challenges that I'd like us to keep in mind as we do so. And so I think this might be where I leave our conversation this morning. We'll pick it up again next week. This is just an attempt to start a conversation together and ask us to be praying in this direction. God will be glorified. He will expand his kingdom if we start with being Holy Spirit-led. If we have our own ideas, they're not going to last. But if God leads us, it can't fail. If we have a balance between patience, waiting for God to bring things together, and excitement, moving forward wherever he leads, patience, excitement, if we can find that balance, God will bless. If we value each other's ideas, what if we have a church here of 70 and there's 70 different ideas about what it looks like? Seventy different individuals. Well, how will the Holy Spirit bring us together for the things where he wants us to start and the places where he wants us to start? We're going to need to have greater commitment to one another than we've needed up to this point. Because if you commit to a group of 12 and say, I'll be there, you have to be there. Or we're going to be someplace this Sunday afternoon to go and help. I'll be there. We need to be there for each other. We can't float in or float out. Because each of our groups will be depending upon us and the people we'll be serving will be depending upon us.
It's going to require commitment. It's going to require leaders, both in the groups and here, that ask more than they tell. Instead of saying, do this in this way at this time, what is God saying? What do you hear God leading? What does the Bible say? What are the needs around you? Looking for leaders like that. And it's going to take a joy in God and a joy in people. We may find, wow, we're doing all these great things for God and we're reaching out and we're, we're helping and look at us, look at us, look at us. And if we don't have the same joy by saying, man, when we got together last time, the prayer time that we had together brought us all to tears, just experiencing the presence of God. Oh, no, yeah, by the way, we got to help someone do some yard cleanup for the fall because they really needed it. It's going to be a way for us to measure our own hearts. I think it's a way for us to grow. And I think it's the next stage in our growth as a church. God's always just leading us forward. He's new things, yes, but in essence, just asking more of the same. And there are some newer faces here to our church family. I long for you to feel as much a part of this as anyone who has been here for a year or five years or 10 or 20. We're stepping into a new season. I encourage you, please speak into that. God has brought you here for a reason to help us experiment together and discover what he has for us ahead. So these are thoughts I give to you this morning, hopefully continuing thoughts that we have already begun. I'd like to take a moment just for prayer, for silence. I'll ask the music team to come forward. Maybe you can close us with a song.